0: And my co-host, Ron, is taking some well-earned time off today, so it'll be just me on the podcast. If you're listening to the AI Today podcast for the first time, this podcast is the place to go to hear interviews with AI thought leaders, also insights into AI market trends, and conversations on key topics, focusing on what's happening with AI today. We have been running this podcast for five-plus years now. We're coming. We're on our sixth season, and so we always have such great things to discuss and really great guests that we interview. So we're also currently in the middle of our AI Glossary series. So if you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to AI Today so you can get notified of all of our upcoming episodes. But for today's podcast, we're excited to have with us Pat Calhoun, who's the CEO at Espressive. He's going to be sharing with us uh, some of his predictions for 2023 since the new year is upon us. We're recording this at the end of... uh, 2022. So depending on when you're listening to this, you can either uh, you know, look at these predictions with us or look back and say, did we get them right or not? So welcome, Pat, and thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: We'd like to start by having you introduce our, yourself to our listeners and let them know a little bit about your background and your current role at Expressive and maybe what that is for listeners that have never heard of that before.
1: Sure. And I think, you know, before I talk about Espressive, let me let let me talk a little bit about my quickly about my history, because I think it'll be uh, it'll make a little bit more sense why I decided to start Espressive. But I started my career on the service desk. So uh, like perhaps some of your listeners, I used to answer those phone calls, helping people with their password resets or what have you. Um, eventually started a, a startup called a, uh, called uh, Airspace, which I sold to Cisco, and then I ended up running products at ServiceNow. And um, I went to ServiceNow because my, my my thinking was I would be able to change the experience that I had as a service desk agent. Um, you know, it turns out ServiceNow has had a great franchise, but it's really not the focus area for them. The area is really around how to cr- improve the overall productivity. Whereas I was actually looking at consumers uh, who were really starting to get very familiar with using uh, their own virtual agents at home, whether it's Amazon's or Google or what have you, people were starting to get very comfortable using them and were even starting to expect that finding answers would be fairly simple. And yet you go to the office, you have an issue with, uh, you know, an IT issue, an HR question, what have you, and you're digging through intranets and knowledge articles. And, you know, it's, it's so complicated. People just, you know, they they cry uncle and they decide to call And so I was really fascinated that by 2016, um, when I was at ServiceNow, I was still seeing organizations build their service desks exactly the same way they did back in 1992. By putting people in seats. And so I thought it was time to go and start my next startup. And that was expressive. So what do we do? We basically automate what a service desk agent does on a daily basis, whether you're an IT service desk, whether you're in service delivery and HR, whether you're helping employees with payroll questions or supply chain questions, anything inside the enterprise that you're taking in calls. Uh, a lot of those calls are fairly repetitive in nature. And the reason why people are calling you because they can't find the answer anywhere else uh, we automate that. When we get deployed, uh, just real quickly, when we get deployed, our customers really benefit in a couple of different ways. One of them, is, of course, is you know, being able to leverage technology to reduce the, uh, the the need for humans to get involved. But the upside for those humans on the service desk is they, they really get to up-level their skills and focus on things that, are, that really do require humans as opposed to that same old, same old that they do on a daily basis. So that's what we do at Espressive.
0: You know, it's... Interesting that you say, you know, but in 2016 they're still being built like in, in the 1990s because we've seen that too, right? Sometimes people are like, well, if it's don't broke if it ain't broke, don't fix it, or that's just the way we've always done it. And you're like, yes, but you can innovate here, right? Mm-hmm. And we can we can really look at pain points, maybe talk to key stakeholders. Another thing that we say too is when you're looking to change things, you should talk to the people that. You're impacting and find out their pain points and what they don't like to do, and then maybe fix that first rather than taking away things that they do like from their job. And also maybe for the users that are calling in. If a password reset is something that is, you know, 90% of call volume, and that's something that's incredibly. Easy, a a human doesn't need to be involved with the way the processes currently are, they do need to be, then focus on that. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: You know, and one of the things that we came to understand over the past six years as we've been building this out is there's always a belief that people want to talk to humans. You know, you'll talk to somebody at some organization, they're gonna say, no, 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 no. My 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 users don't want to use virtual agents. You know, they really insist. We we have a white glove service and they insist on talking to a human. What we've actually found. Is that when you dig into it, the reason why they're calling humans is because the tools that they've been given for self-service have simply not worked for them. And so, I don't know if you're familiar with knowledge and knowledge searching and so on, uh, but you know, you're supposed to go to a portal, you type in your issue, and it comes up with a series of documents that you're expected to read and you know, self-troubleshoot your own problem. The issue is most humans are not technical enough to basically describe the problem, and when all you can do is describe the issue knowledge doesn't help you. So if I said my laptop's broken, what does that mean? And how is reading a knowledge article going to help me? And so that's why people insist on talking to a human because a human will ask them and interact with them, ask them a series of questions to really get to the root of the issue. And that when we started this company six years ago, because of our history, both in the service desk and working at companies like ServiceNow, we knew that if we wanted to be successful, we had to provide that type of an interactive service people want to engage. They want something or someone to help them understand the problem and just give them one answer, not a list of 50 documents that hopefully one of them is going to help help them.
0: Yeah. Or be stuck in some sort of, you know, never-ending loop. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. So with the new year approaching, you know, we're approaching 2023, we wanted to spend some time going over predictions with where you see AI going. So and I know that you have some predictions, so let's let's get into some of those. So can you talk about your prediction about virtual agents and the experience integration
1: hub? So when you take a look at what an virtual what an agent, a physical agent, does on a daily basis. Um, They're asking you a series of questions to try to understand the problem, and then they're collecting data from multiple different sources. So let's say you called in because, uh, I don't know, maybe you're trying to access an application and it's it's performing fairly poorly in terms of poor performance. Um, It could be a variety of different problems. It could be that your laptop is slow. Excuse me. It could be that... um, could be a network issue. It could be that the application itself actually has a problem. And so what an agent does is, you know, he'll, he or she will basically look at various different points and try to narrow down the problem. And so when we're building out a virtual agent, when people are reporting issues, accessing applications, we have to be able to Provide that kind of a that kind of a service. We have to be able to automate that process, and so for us, what this concept of an experience hub is is we're pull- pulling data from multiple different different sources. So, Kathleen, if you called me, you know, sorry, if you interacted with our virtual agent and said, "Hey, I'm trying to get to Workday," as an example, and maybe you know you're having some challenges, we can basically go and check into your laptop and see. How is your network performing? How is your are you are you getting good signal strength? Because we're going to assume that you're on Wi-Fi at home, right? So maybe you're sitting outside in your backyard, you know, and you're and and you simply you're simply not getting good Wi-Fi connectivity. That could be a problem. Maybe there's an issue with the link between you and you know and the network, or perhaps there's an problem with with Workday itself. So we're basically looking at all of these different different touch points across across the internet, across different devices and so on, and collecting that and bringing it back and making decisions on where the problem is. So this concept of an experience hub is really to to pull all that data so that we can actually do the proper level of troubleshooting and resolve the problem without a human being involved. And this is becoming more and more important as the the level of complexity of issues that AI is trying to resolve continues to increase, right?
0: Yeah, that's great. So, you know, another prediction that you have is that virtual agents will be the next intranet. And so when I heard that prediction, I was really intrigued. Can you explain what you mean by this and why you see this trend on the horizon?
1: Well, if you've worked for a large company and you've tried to find something as trivial as the company holidays – Uh, where do we find these things? You go to the internet. Maybe you're going to find it. Maybe you're going to find 15 documents because every, you know, the company holidays for the past 15 years are there. Um, So you can't really figure out what's right. Maybe they're not even on the internet. Maybe you have to go to a different portal because there's an HR portal for that. Or maybe there's a SharePoint that you're supposed to, to know. And then if there's a payroll question that you have, well, that's somewhere else. And of course, IT is somewhere else. And so finding the information is just so hard because there's so many different places. The experience differs from department to department. Sometimes even within departments, it's different. So maybe the way that you get information for benefits is actually different than the way you get information if you're looking for, I don't know, employee relations, as an example, just to pick on HR for a moment, because there's different leaders within the organization that are basically responsible for creating that content and delivering it to their employees. So you as an employee have to become an expert in understanding the nuance of every single department or group within the organization to figure out where to find it, where to find it. And so what we've actually started seeing with virtual agents is whereas six years ago, they were focused primarily on resolving a lot of those repetitive questions. um, And then over maybe over the course of the next two to three years, they started focusing on automation. Right. How do I automate things end to end? So, for instance, um, Kathleen, if you wanted to submit a PTO request, instead of me telling you the answer, I'll just submit the PTO request on your behalf. So you don't have to become an expert in the HCM system. You just need to answer a series of questions to the virtual agent. But what virtual agents are now doing is that they're basically scanning uh, sites like SharePoints and your intranets and they're finding these documents and they're training themselves on the answers to a lot of these questions that these documents are answering so that you as an employee can basically go to a single place and ask the question and we can basically provide you with that answer so think of this almost in terms of the way google works and there's a little bit of you know there's a little bit of um um, there's a little bit of debate right now in terms of, you know, with chat GTP, even though it's fairly young, you know, and it only is answering stuff that's as recent as 2021. But, you know, I think even within Google, people are thinking, you know, is this the next Google? Is this the next type of interface that Google needs to have? And, and we believe that for the enterprise, that that type of interface is exactly what's needed. And so a virtual agent is going to take on that role in the future where it's going to be answering all of these common questions and it will be able to answer the majority of them. And when it can't, it'll connect you to a human that actually knows it. And so that's the next thing that that virtual agents are doing is recognizing who is an expert for a specific topic so they can connect you to the right people when these questions cannot be answered because because the documents don't exist. So. Just a single place for an employee for an employee to go for virtually anything is the way that we look at it, which is really that next intranet.
0: Yeah, you know, I know that when I worked at large organizations, your intranet is only as good as it is updated as well. Uh-huh. So <laughs> there was a lot of pain points there, especially now, you know, as we're transitioning to a new year. Um, I found that if documents needed to be updated, they weren't always updated. So maybe this is also an additional way to, you know, notify people who are in charge of that and help with those reminders. We always like to look at this, uh, you know, it, it sounds like from the way you're describing it, this idea of augmented intelligence, where it's not meant to replace a human, but just help them do their job better. And this also is empowering both the, you know the person at the help desk so that they can take on those higher value uh questions where you do really need a human maybe you have to go in do some screen sharing take over a computer whatever whatever that is you know that that the machine can't actually do but then yep. empowering the user too so that you know, sometimes if I log in after hours and help desk is gone for the day, what do I do if I need a password reset, or what do I do if I need to get to this? Sometimes waiting—it's—it's it's that delay that can be quite frustrating. You know.
1: You know we have a we have a customer of ours who um, who who has uh, created an internal policy where if a ticket. So if a user is interacting with the virtual agent and the virtual agent is unable to resolve the problem, because as you said, there are certain things that actually do require humans, those tickets will get prioritized over anything else coming through other channels. And it's actually, it's it's been very helpful for them because it's basically creating awareness to employees that if you want to get to the front of the line, this is the way that you access the, this is the way you get to us. Um, So yeah, absolutely. I think employees now, are are getting much more familiar with the tools and understanding that it, it they were designed to help them. And that's one of the big differences, I think, that virtual agents have versus a lot of the tools that existed back in 2016 that were really created to protect IT resources as opposed to being created to help people.
0: Yeah. You know, and it's interesting, too. I mean things continue to change. Technology changes. Also, the world has changed a lot since 2016. People were working mostly in offices and, you know, work from home was not as much of a thing. Maybe people were working one, two days a week, if that. So a lot's changed and maybe you're not able to, uh, you know, you can have help desks in other locations now that you might not have been able to before. And you're really empowering people to be able to help themselves. So,
1: Well, there's, there's two trends that we saw. So through the pandemic, as a lot of people ended up working from home, their ability to shoulder tap their neighbor to ask a question has gone away. And when we go to Zoom sessions or Zoom meetings, typically there's a purpose for the meeting and there's not a whole lot of chit chat that we used to have out, you know, before the meeting or after the meeting. That concept has kind of gone away and now it's all about work, 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 work. And so as a result, we organizations have actually seen an overall increase of 35% tickets coming into the service desk because people really have no options. Um, but there's also a lot of people that have joined the organization without actually physically having met their teams. And so they don't really have that personal connection that they can just ask, you know, sometimes maybe a little bit of an uncomfortable question, Right. Um, or they just don't want to look like fools, so they prefer to call the service desk and kind of remain anonymized, if you will. So, yeah, absolutely. There's been a lot of changes over the past couple of years. Yeah, for uh, sure. you know, actually, the last one too. Now that I think about it, is we've also seen a lot of orga- a lot of organizations have seen their teams basically get scattered to the four winds, and so where perhaps a lot of your team members were in a specific time zone, and so you know having. A service desk or service capabilities that were designed for that particular time zone worked well. But now people have actually kind of gone to the East Coast. Some of them have gone international. You have people everywhere. And so a follow the sun support model is super expensive. And so as organizations look at how do they handle now a truly remote distributed team, you have to start thinking about how to virtualize that, that capability.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point. So, you know, another prediction that you have is the pervasiveness of chatbots. And I know that, you know, in our podcast, we've had predictions in the past and we talk about chatbots a lot because there's a lot of promise to them. Your prediction, you have this so-called one chatbot fits all idea with virtual agents making inroads in departments like legal, finance, and supply chain. So how do you see that this will change the way that organizations interact and work internally.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, let's look at it first from the perspective of an employee. And if I were to use an example in our consumer lives, imagine if there was a different Yelp app for every city block in New York City. Imagine how hard it would be to find a restaurant. Right. And the good news is that doesn't exist now. So you have one place you can find virtually anything and you don't have to be you don't really have to understand the city. You just need to understand what you're looking for. Um, What we actually started seeing about 18 months ago. Is well first a little bit more context. So when we started this this organization six years ago, it was primarily IT and then HR. Those were the primarily primary two teams that would be using our our platform. But about eighteen months ago, maybe twelve months ago, we started seeing other organizations wrapping their arms around it. So legal became uh, a, a department that you know was kind of stuck in answering a lot of similar questions i need access to this i need access to that and it just requires a lot of human time and you know lawyers are fairly expensive so you want to minimize their time answering those questions but then we started seeing finance and supply chain so we have a customer of ours that you know, they get a lot of calls around purchase orders and purchase requests and so on. And, you know, back to it's no different than IT, right? They want to be focusing on those higher value job tasks, not just answering the same thing over and over again. So we started seeing a shift where uh, beyond IT and HR. And as I'm looking at next year, I actually think a lot of organizations are now going to start looking at this holistically. They're going to start looking at how do we wrap our arms around this? because if it does not control that experience if it doesn't have a strategy for delivering a chatbot strategy for the organizations organizations are going to do it themselves and uh, we started seeing that as well in some organizations where if the, in 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 absence of a strategy legal because they're feeling pain they're going to go and build something the finance is going to go build an RPA bot or something and then you end up with what I call chatbot soup, where you got these little bots everywhere. And um, there's a lot of time and and energy spent on building them. A lot of these departments that are building their, their tools are expecting employees to use them. But then when you end up in a situation where you have 20 different bots scattered across the organization, it becomes almost impossible for employees to find them. So we're back where we started right? It's a discoverability issue. So it really is necessary if organizations want to be successful and they want to make sure that they're building capabilities that are actually being leveraged by their employees, and they're getting the ROI that they expected on their tools, that they have to have a one bot strategy. Now, it could very well be that that one bot ends up being a front face to a bunch of bots that are sitting behind it. It could be that the one bot is actually doing all the heavy lifting. There's multiple different ways to look at doing that but it really is necessary if you want to get any form of return on your investment.
0: Now, as you're looking to you know make inroads with these different departments, I know that, you know, legal has different jargon and wording than finance teams or supply chains or HR, for example. So how are you going about training these bots so that they are understanding, you know, the nuances involved with each department? And then also maybe industries as well have different jargon that you need to make sure the bots are able to understand.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, we didn't talk about that at the beginning, but one of the things that we were very, very conscious of when we started this company is that even back in 2016, there was already a plethora of toolkits that you could have used to build a chatbot, um, But the reason why organizations consistently failed in building their chatbots is twofold. One of them is they didn't have enough data uh, to really understand to, to build a language model that that could understand all the nuances of, you know, the different ways that people ask questions, etc. And they certainly didn't have um, computational linguists and data scientists sitting in, you know, down in the boiler room, so those two things, in the absence of those two things, they ended up building these chatbots that only understood things if you happen to have the, a decoder ring, and it only understood a very few number of those things. And so we looked at it very differently. We said, if you take a look at um, Amazon and Google's virtual agents, the reason why they've been successful, the reason why they've gotten better with time is that they they literally have millions of consumers using them on a daily basis which gives them a lot of data. That data is then used by, you know, their army of of data scientists and computational linguists to constantly improve their language model, their understanding, etc and and always deliver new capabilities. So we said how do we actually leverage that model but in an, in an enterprise setting? And that's essentially the architecture that we built at Expressive. So, you know, it turns out, Kathleen, that what we found is it really doesn't matter if you work for Nike or you work for I don't know Caterpillar or maybe maybe even you know a hospital like Kaiser. Uh, the way that people express their need from a finance standpoint, from an IT standpoint, over eighty-seven percent of those things are exactly the same across every company. Right Now, of course, there are some differences that vertical to vertical, but a lot of the needs that they have, whether it's a purchase order, whether it's I need PTO time, whether my laptop is broken, whatever, it's all the same across, or at least mostly the same across most organizations. So we've basically built a model that does this in a very secure fashion, but does this where we're basically learning from every interaction. Now. To do that, you know, because of privacy laws and so on, we have to anonymize data, we have to scrub all PII data, and that's fine. Of course, we have to do all that. But we've built a a platform that essentially, while remaining secure within an environment, learns from those interactions. And so when, you know, when somebody in company A, um, you know, refers to, I don't know, long-term disability as LTD as an example, of course, you know, we should know that, but they they use the term LTD to refer to long-term disability, then that's an opportunity for us to learn across across the farm, so that anybody who asks about an LTD uh, would actually we would be we would understand that concept. Now, of course, there are certain things that are very specific to a company. So a company may may have its own its own language, its own set of acronyms. So those are t- those are the types of things that you don't want to be learning beyond that beyond that environment. But that learning process has actually given us uh, an environment today where. know where we actually understand the language illegal because we have so much usage and the more people use it the more we learn. And so that platform has given us something where today we understand well over three billion different things. And what's unique about us is our customers actually don't have to worry about linguistics. All they need to do is worry about outcomes. And outcomes back to one of your earlier comments is how do we help the service desk understand where to spend their effort? Like if I were to go build content knowledge articles as an example. What should I be building? And so one of the things that we do is we actually help them visualize what are people asking? What would really move the needle if you provided content because there is missing content for these topics? So we actually help them from that perspective as well, which then continues to improve their overall um, automation rates.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. Whenever, I mean, because whenever you want to start with a project, there's literally like an infinite number of possibilities you can start with, an infinite number of ways you can go. There's many different pain points. But specifically, when we talk about building chatbots, you know, virtual agents, we say, what is the number one question that you get asked the most that's taking up the most time from the help desk? You need to figure that out. You need to do some research, figure that out, and then start there because that's probably going to have the greatest impact on that team whether that's resetting passwords whether that's finding uh you know company PTO policy whether that's finding holidays for the upcoming year whatever that is for your specific organization start there and so uh cognolytica we always say think big start small and iterate often um because you want to make sure that you're continuing to iterate that's not going to be able to answer only one question forever you're going to want to add additional questions but when you're prioritizing that, Start with the ones that will impact the most amount of people and be able to free up that employee at the help desk so they can have time to do the the higher value things, which is going to be a benefit to everybody. You're going to see a really great ROI. You're going to see employee satisfaction increase, you know, all of those positive things that you want.
1: That's right. That's right. And we've come up with a process that we use internally when we get ready for a go live, where we have things that we analyze to be able to understand what would really move the needle. Our goal is when we go live, the week we go live, we should already be delivering north of 40% automation rate for everything coming in, north of 40. We had a customer that we went live a week and a half ago they hit 68% on their first week, so you know. So uh, now, a lot of this is the fact that we have that global understanding of what people are asking about, so we don't have to spend a lot of time. Generally, don't have to spend a lot of time kind of training our language model, because our language model is constantly evolving. But a, for the most companies, a lot of those top 30, 40, 50 things are already handled. So for us, it's really about working with a customer to make sure that we have the right outcomes for the things that are really going to drive, really going to move the needle.
0: Yeah, it's interesting too. Sometimes we talk with, you know, customers or clients or people on the podcast and everybody thinks that their problems are unique to themselves. And they're like, yes, but, you know, yes, I understand that a lot of people ask this question, but I think my company's different. And we're like, if you open up, you know, your view just a little bit more, maybe it's not the exact same question that they're asking, but it's the same flavor and it's the same idea. And maybe you don't have the exact same company holidays, but it's like 90% overlap. And these are pretty standard and it's going to be in this location. And this is pretty standard across organizations where this should fall, you know, within maybe the HR team and that, Portal that you want to go into. Uh, We say you can learn a lot. So when you look at others, you can learn a lot and you get the benefit of being able to see all of this and seeing some of those questions that maybe other organizations haven't thought of yet to answer. But you're like, well, based on our experience, 90% of the companies we work with are going to have this problem. And so you will too. And we're just going to have it in there. And then what do you know? It helps with those questions.
1: That's right. The other thing that we sometimes hear is, our people are unique; they're different, and uh, you know. And th- that one always makes me chuckle. But um, sometimes they'll refer to perhaps they have an aging population. Maybe it's a it's an older industry. Well, we, it turns out that we actually have one of our customers is in the gas and electric uh, space. A lot of their employees are in bucket trucks; they're going up light poles, and you know these are these are not necessarily the younger generation, and yet they're getting phenomenal adoption because those employees recognize that when they have a question, they can get an immediate answer, and if you think about it, you know. Let's just say, from an HR perspective, when you have an HR question, it could be a benefits question. It could be like, you know, I need to get I need to get an appointment for my daughter, and I don't even know if I can actually if this is covered under my benefits. Where do I find this? You know, and a lot of people will 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 call and wait, and you know, send an email. They're going to get an answer within three to five days. They don't have three to five days. They come to recognize that with a virtual agent, you you get an immediate answer. So the value associated with that is huge. People understand that. You know, we have people in manufacturing who, you know, they don't even have a work computer, but most people have phones, right? And so, you know, uh, we're talking to this one particular manufacturing customer where um, their employees on the floor have to take their their own break time to go stand in line and ask HR a question. Well, that's not a great employee experience. And if you could actually do this on your own time simply by asking a question on a virtual agent, you know, again, you've delivered value. So, you know, I think people certainly are different from company to company. But, um, you know, uh, what we've seen is uh, pretty much across the board, people just want immediate help.
0: Yeah, and and it's great that you're able to, you know, pull on that experience and get to see all those different perspectives. And everybody thinks they're unique, but in general, a lot of these are quite similar. And I think that people have a lot to learn when they look across other industries, which is why we like to interview so many different people on the podcast from so many different industries, because I think there's a lot to learn when you listen to people and we are big advocates of you know doing ai right following best practices methodologies if you've listened to our podcast for any number of episodes now you know we're big advocates of cpmai the cognitive project management for ai methodology <laughs> for our listeners we have a free intro to cpmai course you can go to aitoday.live/cpmai i know that many of you have already taken it and so uh, you know we hope that you had a great experience you can go to cognolytica.com/cpmai to sign up for the full course and that uh, uh, upon completion, will give you a uh, certification as well. So you can become CPMAI certified. But if you're interested in the free course, go to aitoday.live slash CPMAI. Now, We like to wrap up our interviews with the same question that we ask everybody, because no matter how many times we ask this question, we get such a varied response. Some people are very philosophical in their response. Some people are very practical. Some people, uh, you know, like to take a a unique perspective on things. Some have personal views that they share. So, Pat, I would like to ask you this final question. What do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? Mm
1: Yeah, I hope this one doesn't get me in trouble. But I am going to be practical. I, I you know, I think uh, when I take a look at in in the future, I'm looking at AI being used more and more in applications, and when it's done right people don't recognize they don't even know that ai is actually being used that to me is where the future needs to be is where ai is being used correctly but not exposed to employees people don't understand ai they certainly should never be machine learning experts or nlp experts they're just looking to have a function done um and so when i take a look at where i think it's really going to have the biggest impact is where ai can be embedded inside applications in ways that are benefiting people without them even knowing that ai is being being used and when that happens it's just use netflix as an example right you know and it used to be that finding whatever it was that you wanted to watch was fairly cumbersome because you had to go through all kinds of you know maybe there was hundreds of different shows but it's gotten pretty good at trying to predict what types of shows you like to watch and so it's delivering value without you even knowing that there's ai behind the scenes that is where i think the future is going to go is where there's there's a better understanding of how to leverage ai in ways that's going to benefit people without exposing the fact that ai is even there to begin with
0: yeah you know we talk about uh, an ai enabled future and in there we have this idea of the you know pervasiveness of ai all around us and so right now we have this assumption that you know connectivity. Everybody is connected with a smartphone so that you always have access to the internet. But you will be connected in additional ways so that, uh, you know, it'll be this idea of pervasiveness. It'll know where you are. So if there's a natural disaster, say, for example, a tornado's coming or there's a flash flood that's coming, it will know where you are and it will tell you how to get to safety. Or this idea of a universal translator so that you can go to anywhere in the world, even if they don't speak a language that you speak and you're able to converse with people, Uh, you know, and how it's going to help benefit you, but not be interfering, you know, so I don't it's not going to be annoying for me to have to open this up. It'll just automatically translate and I can show my phone to somebody or my phone will speak and then I'll be able to have conversations with people all across the globe no matter where I go. So it sounds like that's sort of your, yep. your uh, you know, future as well. <laughs>
1: yep, absolutely.
0: Well, Pat, this has been such a wonderful podcast. Thank you so much for being a guest.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, including a link to the uh, free intro to CPMAI course, as well as a link to Espressive as well, so you can check them out if you're interested in learning more. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com.